Uh, so as we prepare to sing our song for illumination, Ancient Words, I would just invite you uh, into a posture of prayer as we uh, together uh, prepare to hear God's word for us this day. As we uh, prepare to hear God's story for us this day, I want to just orient us where we are at as we step into it. Uh, the family of Abram and Sarai, who we met last week and then became Abraham and Sarah, has grown over the generations. There's been some twists and turns in the family's journey. There was a drought and famine in their land, which caused them to migrate to Egypt. And while they originally were welcomed and beloved by the Egyptian pharaoh and the people, generations have passed. And as the Israelites grow in strength and number, the new pharaoh sees them as a threat and enslaves them. It's out of slavery that they cry out to God for help, and God responds, raising up Moses as their leader and using him to set the people free. When we meet them today, they have escaped Egypt in Pharaoh's hand and have been making their way through the wilderness back to the mountain upon which God originally called Moses. Let us listen to God's word for us this day. They traveled from Rephidim, came into the Sinai Desert, and set up camp there. Israel camped there in front of the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, This is what you should say to Jacob's household and declare to the Israelites. You saw what I did to the Egyptians and how I lifted you up on eagles' wings and brought you to me. So now, if you faithfully obey me and stay true to my covenant, you will be my most precious possession out of all the peoples, since the whole earth belongs to me. You will be a kingdom of priests for me. And a holy nation. 
What follows this scripture is those Ten Commandments I talked to the kids about. And it's, th- it's not just the Ten Commandments, it's those ten. And then two and a half more chapters of law that God hands to Moses. That list, I think, you know, probably accurate. I don't know what size font from the ceiling to the floor. But lots, lots of rules about the way they are to live. And after Moses has received them, um, we pick up our scripture in chapter 24. Moses came and told the people all the Lord's words and all the case laws. All the people answered in unison, everything that the Lord has said we will do. Moses then wrote down all the Lord's words. He got up early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He set up 12 sacred stone pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel He appointed certain young Israelite men to offer entirely burned offerings and slaughter oxen as well-being sacrifices to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in large bowls. The other half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the covenant scroll and read it out loud for the people to hear. They responded, everything that the Lord has said we will do and we will obey. Moses then took the blood and threw it over the people. Moses said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord now makes with you on the basis of all these words. Friends, this is the word of the God, of the Lord. Amen. Here on Mount Sinai, God invites the people to take in all that God has done to bring them to this place, this freedom and invites them into covenant relationship with God once more. God names that if they will live into the covenant, if they will be faithful, if they will live as God will ask them to live, that they will be what God has intended them to be from the start, what God promised Abraham they would be, that they would be a blessing to the whole world, God's precious possession, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of priests, a people selected by God to show the world who God is and what life lived in relationship to God could be. Priests serve to connect people to God, to mediate between the divine and humanity. And here, God is asking the entire people to be just that. Through their faithful living, Through God's faithful provision and protection over them, they will help the whole world, all nations, see just who God is and what life with God could be. God is inviting them to be transformed by entering into faithful relationship with God so that God can work through them to transform the world. It's after God paints that vision issues that invitation that God lays out just what that will look like with that big old list of commandments and ongoing instruction about how they are to live. The crux of all of that is right relationship, how we must live to live in right relationship with God and with one another. It's after God has finished giving that law to Moses and the people that the people have the opportunity to enter into the covenant God has played out or to walk away from it. Moses tells the law to the whole people and they respond in unison, which, you know, that's a crowd, right? 
everything that the Lord has said we will do. Moses then prepares a service of worship where they will enact the covenant. Animals are sacrificed. Half of their blood is poured on the altar, which represents God's presence and God's faithful commitment to the covenant. Moses reads the law to the people once more, and again they affirm everything that the Lord has said we will do. Then Moses takes the other half of the blood from the sacrifices and throws it over the people, sealing the covenant, their own commitment to it. So our adult Sunday school class has been reading a book on the Enneagram, which is an ancient personality type system that can be a really useful tool for self-reflection and understanding, as well as a really useful tool to understanding better the people around us and how we relate to one another. In the Enneagram, there are nine different personality types, one of which will fit a person most fully. It's been fun for me hearing the conversational overflow from Sunday school, hearing people talk about their type and what they are discovering, realizing, and seeing as a result of the study. I am an Enneagram type three, which is an achiever. There's way too much detail about any one type to give it a thorough explanation in a Sunday sermon, but the key motivations for us type threes, what makes us tick, is a desire to be affirmed, to be admired, to impress others. Threes can definitely be people pleasers. They want others to view them as competent and successful. So I get the Israelites' desire to be faithful here. They're longing to fulfill God's commands. Their own, at least outward, confidence that they will obey. Maybe it's because we already know how the story unfolds, but as we read their bold assurance, everything that the Lord says we will do, you also immediately sense how they have overshot what they are actually capable of. The Israelites' journey in the wilderness thus far has already, and it has not been a long journey yet, my friends, it ends up being 40 years, but it has already been filled with complaining, moaning, and resentment toward God. And it has only just begun. Us threes can get ourselves into trouble trying to be everything to everybody. We can overcommit, take on too much, let our ambition drive for success, blind us to what is realistic. It seems like the Israelites are getting themselves in a similar predicament. I sympathize deeply with their desire to be faithful, to obey but also am not all that surprised that it all falls apart so quickly. After their covenant is sealed in that service of worship, God sends Moses back up the mountain to be with him for 40 days and 40 nights. In his absence, the people get restless and fearful and beg Moses' brother Aaron to make them gods who can lead them, for they fear Moses is not returning to them. The very first commandment God gave them, the one at the very top of that list, is to not have any other gods before him. And the second is to not make an idol for yourself. How quickly the covenant faithfulness falls apart 
as Aaron collects gold from the people and forms a golden calf for them to worship. Some prized possession, some royal priesthood. And yet, I wonder, maybe, just maybe, this is exactly the kind of priesthood God actually needed. If God was going to meet humanity, a humanity who so struggles to live in right relationship with God and with one another, who so struggles to live the life that the life that would lead to life for us all. I wonder if God needed not a people who would always get it right, who would lord their righteousness over others, who would look down upon the people around them, telling them all the ways they are getting it wrong. At the same time, they made sure they knew how much they were getting, they themselves were getting it right. I'm not so sure that that priesthood would have mediated what God needed it to. I wonder if God needed a people to be in relationship with who would get it wrong, who would know how often they messed up, who would learn to look at others not with judgment but with compassion because they understood how hard this being human stuff really is. I wonder if God needed a people whose failures and shortcomings were out in the open so that the love and grace God issued in response could be on full display as well. I wonder if the blessing Abraham's family was meant to give the world was simply this, to show us all that we cannot do it on our own. We cannot achieve salvation we cannot save ourselves. I wonder if we needed to fail at the old covenant in order to be ready to receive the new. The scene of worship here in Exodus is called back as Jesus sits at table with his disciples on the night before his arrest, days before his sacrifice will take place on the cross. And he holds a cup before them saying, this, this is my blood. My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for so many so that their sins will be forgiven. I wonder if we had to realize we were not capable of the old covenant's obedience on our own in order to be able to receive the gifts of the new. Forgiveness poured out to cover all the ways we fail those original covenant promises our mistakes, our shortcomings, our wrongs, the pain we cause God and one another. In Mike Manuel's book on the New Covenant, Torn, he writes of a new priesthood found in the midst of the New Covenant and calls us to the words Peter wrote in his first letter from the New Living Translation of Scripture. Words, words Peter wrote to the people in the earliest days of the church. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. 
for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Your session, our leadership board, and I met for our annual retreat yesterday. And after that day of life together, paying attention to the gift of this community, the needs in us and in our world, listening to God's call upon us and the challenges we face to answer that call, but also the hope we have as we trust in our ever-faithful God. After that day of life together, held in conversation that the word God has for us on this day, y'all, God's vision in Exodus and Peter's words to the church resonate loudly in my mind, my heart, my spirit, my soul. We are royal priests, a holy people, God's very own possession. We are here so that we can show others the goodness of God. Y'all, God needs us. Not to be self-righteous people who always get it right. Those people don't exist in the world, amen? God needs us to be people who know we get it wrong so much of the time. Who know how often we mess up. Who look at others not with judgment, <clears throat> but with compassion. Because we understand how hard this being human stuff really is. God needs us to be an authentic community, people who aren't afraid to have their failures and shortcomings out in the open so that the love and grace God gives us again and again will be on full display as well. Dear ones, the goodness of God, the goodness of God saved me. I, this Enneagram 3, spent so much of my life thinking I had to achieve my way through it. I had to earn people's favor, prove my worth, work my way into God's kingdom. That story in its fullness is one for another day. But let me tell you this. God met me in the midst of my own internal darkness and in countless ways whispered in my ear, Beloved, you do not have to save yourself. That's why I am here. And taking my hand, God pulled me out of my darkness toward God's wonderful light. I trust you have your own experiences of the goodness of God, your own stories of how God has met you in the midst of your darkest times, in the middle of the darkest corners within you. I know you have your own stories of how God has saved you. Y'all, God needs us royal priests, prized possessions, holy people, people who get it wrong, people who mess up, people who struggle to trust, people who fail to obey, 
holy people whose own experience of God's goodness can show others the goodness of God and the power it holds to save us, to save us all. Amen and amen.